This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Holly Kakamis from Laguna Hills, California for April 26th, episode 2920. This is a special episode of Horses in the Morning, the fourth Tuesday of every month, brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Good morning, horse world. The fourth Tuesday of every month is all about your passion for horses. Nurture your knowledge with informative and entertaining interviews brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Well, it's so good to be back with you, Holly. Holly was here last month in her first appearance as co-host and you didn't quit. I know. <laughs> it was a little painful to listen to my own voice, but I'm just going to ignore that part, and it was a lot of fun. So. Well, I know you listen we'll to the show. The Jamie, in 12 years and thousands of episodes, has never listened back to her own voice. So <laughs> <laughs> That's probably better. It's not think, an unusual. Uh, no I hate my voice, too. I'm with you. I, I'm with you right there. Oh, uh, man. It's rough. I, I am so excited about this episode today. Uh, yes. Tell us about your first guest, because this this I just love talking talking about this topic. Okay, so our first guest is Mary Towsley, and she is a Hollywood horse trainer, and she was featured in the Horse Illustrated April issue, and we can uh, link that article for you in the show notes, but she just struck me as the perfect person to have on because... Oh, I, mean, I love talking not about horses, Hollywood, right? <laughs> horses, Hollywood, and celebrities. It's three of the perfect things that we, we get to talk about. Oh, yeah. I just had so many questions about how they train the horses and working with actors and Frisians. Why are there so many Frisians? Like we, we get to all of it. So uh, I'm warning everybody (laughs) that this might be a little bit longer interview than usual, just because we're so we're such fan people. So (laughs) yes, (laughs) we're totally geeking out, but that's okay. I think everyone else will like it. Well, we talk, you know, we talk about on the show, we talk about TV shows and movies and stuff. So, you know, we, we do talk about it on the show, especially if they involve horses. So it's kind of cool to talk to people actually involved in it. And then we're starting something new with this episode this month, aren't we? That's right. So we are going to have a monthly adoptable horse and the right horse is going to ASPCA right horse will be uh, linking one for us. And this one, we're going to have a guest from ASPCA right horse with us, Kaylin, and she is going to introduce a little bit about the horse and the organization and how to find out more and whether adoption is the right option for you. I think a lot of people, um, you know, we've been featuring them, uh, you know, talking about adoption a lot in the magazine for years. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, adoptable horse, there's probably, you know, something wrong with it or whatever. But what we've come to find out is that horses just are transitioning from one owner to another and, you can find almost any type of horse you want, show horse, trail horse, kids horse, um, by looking through adoptable horses. So I'm really excited about this. Very good. And we're going to bring you the first one of those today. But, you know, you I, you had an article in the magazine. It was tips for when a horse 
uh, when a horse hates being groomed. And this has actually come up in our auditor room. A couple of people said, I've asked this question recently. And I, so I found the article interesting, you know, providing some tips. Uh, have you ever had one that just hated to be touched or groomed or just don't fuss with me? I mean, I have had more off-track thoroughbreds than any other type of horse, and I feel like there's a little uh, sensitivity that goes hand-in-hand with many thoroughbreds. So, yes, the extra soft brush is my friend, and uh, the hard old curry comb doesn't get used as much. Um, But I love this article, and of course it starts out picking on the chestnut mare, uh, (laughs) which... I actually was listening to your episode a few days back about the genetically proven link that chestnuts yes. are more sensitive yes. to pain, like redheads, yes. like yes. me. So I have an excuse. So, uh, you know, did you me tell and your husband that after, uh, <laughs> after the show? <laughs> yeah, it's a miracle I ever uh, had childbirth. Yeah. But yes, we uh, made it through. There's so, a reason um, I whine more when I get hurt. <laughs> exactly. It hurts me more. So, yeah, the chestnut mare, you know, she's not just being dramatic, she actually feels more pain. But Uh, There's a lot of great tips in this article. Um, You know, of course, make sure there's no problems underlying with your vet, like ulcers and things can make them more sensitive, lots of various issues. But assuming that's all checked out clear, um, you know, you might just want to go to the store and buy a bunch of different things. Uh, She, Kat Hill, is one of the experts interviewed. I think most people probably are familiar with her. she's been on our show Uh, before. She's like the groom of all grooms. Yes, super groom extraordinaire. So I was a groom for a very short amount of time, and I just, my hat is off to her. She is super duper. But, you know, go pick out a bunch of different things you've never tried, like maybe a cactus cloth. She said for one horse, that was the solution to currying off the dirt was just a cactus cloth. And I think you know, I haven't tried that. So, you know, try this, try that. Uh, Something new might be out there on the shelves that you haven't thought of, but your horse might appreciate it. It's funny because uh, my pony Scooter, he likes the glove, the glove with hands-on gloves. He likes the hands-on gloves in the winter when his hair is really thick. But I noticed that about a week ago when I was curing him with a hands-on glove, now he's really shedding tremendously. uh, He didn't like it anymore. So as soon as he, as soon as he yeah. starts to get his summer coat, I can't use it. I have to go back to a regular curry comb. Yeah, uh, I, I love those for bathing because yeah. I feel like I can never get down to the skin when I'm bathing. So I always put my shampoo on that glove and then rub it in. Like that's that's what I use them for. Um, but yeah, the as far as brushes, cat um, recommends not thumping your brush, but you know all the you know the magic is in the sweep. So focus on your sweep technique and really flick that dirt off of there. Uh, Try different longer bristled brushes might help. Um, And another interesting thing is starting from the back and working your way to the front, like the hindquarters could be less sensitive for some horses. Oh, that's interesting because I don't think anybody does that. I think we all start (laughs) at the front. (laughs) Don't we? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just walk up to the neck and start going. Exactly. I never thought That's about right. start. I didn't even know you could start from the back. Is that an option? See, she she knows her stuff. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Um, yeah, so there could be other problems like a, a bully horse nearby if you cross tie in a certain location or it's just too busy and people are ducking under your cross ties and your horse doesn't like that. So, you know, try a different spot. Maybe your horse uh, can relax a little bit more. 
um, that can be helpful or just finding their favorite spot to be groomed. That's my favorite thing. Just like, Oh yeah, that's your scratchy spot. And then they, they just love it and lean into it and do the little stretch their neck out and the lip flap. Who doesn't love that? Well, and, and she does say something interesting in this article. We talk about it on the show all the time. It, you know, uh, Jamie talks about training through pain or, you know, you can't do it. Um, and it's the same with grooming, right? She she says, don't punish your horse for saying, ouch, that hurts. Your horse is trying to tell you it hurts. You know, you don't need to punish him for it. Um, you need to change what you're doing at that point or figure out why it hurts. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they're they're trying to communicate with us. And obviously they don't have words. So if we listen to like, oh, ow, oh, that's that's them talking to us. So it's it's think, hard uh, because some are e- some are better communicators, though. Right. Some are. Yes. Some are stoic and and hackney ponies, I can tell you, are real good communicators. <laughs> they let you know. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly I what's going on. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Well, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. But they're a little yeah, bit like think- the redhead mares. <laughs> Then you've got your draft horses yep. and your your big clunks that just kind of stand there and they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm just not going to make a fuss about that. So Jamie's sometimes horse, I can be good. Jennifer's horse, Nigel, will just, um, he'll just, he has this one thing. If he doesn't like it, he just swings his head around and looks at you. He just, he's very clear that something's going on I don't like. <laughs> and it's 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 not subtle in the, and he's a big thoroughbred, not subtle in the least. Just swings his head around and looks at you. And you better not be in the way. (laughs) Well, sometimes my biggest tip for the horse that hates being groomed is just to give him a bath. But then, of course, you've got your horses that hate cold water. So you can't give them a bath (laughs) because they don't like the hose. And they're like, I'm dying. It's freezing cold. So anyone that has a hot water wash rack. (laughs) That same horse will go roll in a puddle. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's too much fun. It's yeah, the same sure. horse. It's funny how that works. Well, you can find sure. this article at Horse Illustrated. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, you can go read it for yourself. And, and uh, if you have tips that uh, let us know if you have tips for grooming your horse who's a little bit finicky about being groomed uh let us know what you do we we'd appreciate that and we can go over those in future episodes as well but you know we also want you to stay tuned to find out about a special offer from horse illustrated just for listeners of this show we're going to have that for you in a second this episode is brought to you by title sponsor straight arrow products cuts scrapes and rubs are not an if moment but a when moment for horse owners Make mane and tail protect spray a staple in your safety and care routine when it comes to treating wounds or bacterial infections. This easy trigger spray bottle makes treatment quick and painless for both horse and rider, while its antimicrobial properties give it the power to ward off infection-causing bacteria. Keep the safety check nerves at bay with mane and tail protect spray. Our first guest today is Mary Towsley. Mary is a Hollywood horse trainer who has worked on TV shows such as the teen drama Wildfire and movies that include The Lone Ranger starring Johnny Depp. Just a note on Mary's phone. She was in the islands, as she says, and her phone is a little bit crackly. I think she didn't have the best reception, but the interview is worth a listen. Hi, Mary. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, it's nice to talk to you. Well, uh, so we have so many questions for you. Uh, it seems like your life is just far more glamorous than ours, so <laughs> we want to know all about it. But first, uh, <laughs> I hear you're on vacation in St. Croix, so thanks for taking time out to talk to us. Um, have you been 
having a Griswold family vacation of errors or more of an Instagram perfect uh, photo op? Uh, I don't know that I would say it was Instagram perfect. We've had some pretty funny experiences, but uh, it's been a good family vacation and not so long that everybody hated each other. <laughs> Most of them flew out today, so it was, oh, good. It was uh, short and sweet and enjoyable. Just the right amount. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, our first question, um, I think everyone wants to know how you find your way into wrangling horses for TV and movies. Uh, how did you get started? Um, actually, I was training racehorses with my ex-husband, and uh, we broke and trained, and uh, I was working at the racetrack, out riding, and a friend of ours who was wrangling in on some movie jobs came looking for some horses for a show. Uh, there was uh, wildfire. It was a series that was shot a while back and they needed some horses that could pass for racehorses, but were broke, you know, gentle, I should say not, you know, a lot of racehorses are broke, but, but that were gentle and quiet and could, you know, be around camera and stand in the starting gate to not get too amped up. And, uh, my old uh, outriding horses were kind of perfect for that because they were had seen it all and done it all. And uh, they've also been around the racetrack their whole life and they were ex race horses. So they, it, you know, they just happened to, you know, fit the bill. So they started renting some horses from me and I was extraing. And then right away uh, I ended up starting to wrangle and, you know, they kind of liked me and, put me to work and then I was doing stunts after that and renting horses and it just sort of you know spiraled into something that I just kept on with it so awesome um, yeah so it was I it totally by accident anyway <laughs> long story <laughs> short <laughs> I like that but that's that's cool it sounds like it's uh not for everybody you know you must do a lot of traveling and uh being on the go and moving around a lot um What's your lifestyle like with as far as that? Um, yeah, it, you do end up traveling a lot. Uh, the days, you know, when you're working on a movie job, it's uh, they own you basically. You, you, you know, it, it's generally long days, especially if you're working on a feature. Uh, days are you count on a 12 hour shoot day. And then, of course, you know, with the horses, you're hauling, you know, saddling and hauling horses to set and hauling them home and getting everybody taken care of at the end of the day. So it's very easy to have a 16-hour day and sometimes longer. So, uh, and it's not like you make doctor's appointments or anything else. Yeah. Once you're on a job, you're on it, and that's all you do until you finish. So, you very know, anything that... Your personal life is completely gone. <laughs> what do you do with the horses when, I know there's long days, but there's also a lot of hours in that day when you're not being filmed, right? And are the horses just yeah. tied to the yeah. trailers? Do you put keep they portable are. corrals? Yeah. How do you do it? Uh, we generally have them tied to the trailer, yeah. And that's, unless, you know, we're on a set where they have a barn and corrals and that kind of thing, which some of them do. And which is nice for us, you know, and we can at least tie them in corrals or, or have them in the barn or, you know, something of that sort. But as a rule, they're tied to trailers, you know, and we'll give them hay bags and, you know, just take them to water periodically. There's always somebody with the horses at the trailers. You know, even if everybody else is up on set, there's always somebody at the trucks 
you know, with the, with the horses at the trailers. Now, how does it work as far as the horses? Do you or people you work for own them or do you have to go out and find a certain type of horse if they need, you know, a certain color or pattern of horse? Um, it depends on the job and really what the director's artistic vision is. Um, some shows, you know, if it's sort of uh, uh for lack of better words, a generic Western, you know, uh, your more plain colored horses are what we use because they're easy to double. And we have cast horses that, you know, we use regularly that are sort of our old standby, you know, very seasoned, very good horses for, you know, novice riders and they're good around camera. But, uh, occasionally we will be on a job where they want something very specific um, like Lone Ranger, they, of course, they wanted a white horse. It, actually, they needed a paint for for uh, Johnny Depp and then a, a white horse for Army to ride, for, you know, to be silver. And so we gathered up five white horses and two paints. So but that and that that does tend to complicate things because you then you end up sometimes with horses that are not as seasoned around a movie set. But that does happen. Did you have any idea going in whether the actor has had riding? Do they experience or not? Do they tell you that, or you just have to guess? <laughs> well, um, that that's kind of a joke around the movie world <laughs> that the oldest lie in the industry is that they can ride. Yeah, um, it's always on the resume, right? Every, they always put that on the resume. Every <laughs> absolutely, every actor said they could ride, or they have ridden, or you know, um, but. Uh, you know, sometimes we do have knowledge that either we've worked with an actor before, which is, you know, awesome. And we can kind of pick up where we left off or we know that they've written in other things like, you know, Sam Elliott, we recently worked with and, and, you know, obviously Sam's written, you know, quite a bit. Was he the, was he um, the most seasoned writer of all the actors you worked with? I would guess that. I would say yes. Okay. Um, that I can, that I can remember, um, Liam Neeson has also written a fair amount, uh, and both of them are very self-depreciating. You know, they never admit that they're, you know, they can ride well. They're, they're both very similar that way. But, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say so. Well, but Sam's isn't had, that true know, of, of riders who are riders? They are that way, right? We never admit we're yeah. a great rider. <laughs> exactly. They're never going to brag about how well they ride. That's exactly right. So... That, that's kind of a dead giveaway, actually. <laughs> so I have another. I, this is something so. that drives our listeners crazy. All right. So, Mary, tell me mm -hmm. why in every non-Western all they use is Frisians anymore. <laughs> it drives our listeners bonkers. That's funny. Um, I, I really hadn't noticed that myself. I guess, though, yeah, some of those some of those shows they do. A lot of those shows they're watching, I think, are shot in Europe and um, what England, Frisians it seems like you're, you're right. In England, it seems like there's only Frisians left in the country anymore. <laughs> That's all it's left. Right. I mean, there's a lot of warm bloods. You know, they're very dramatic looking. And um, on a practical level, they're easy to double. Ah, good um, point. Good point. You know, if, you know, and I've, I've actually only worked on one show where we used Frisians myself uh, some commercials and things like that yeah but it, as far as you know movies or tv 
uh, we worked on a show called Cliffs of Freedom years ago, and we had four or five Frisians that we used on it that these Janissaries rode. But <clears throat> but I think most of those shows that they're talking about are shot in Europe. But but yeah, for practicality wise, they're awesome because they're very easy to double. Uh, well, that and that's always an issue for us. Sense. Yeah, I've been noticing yeah. the Frisians too. On uh, it seems like every show on Netflix is period shows now, and uh, mm-hmm. Richardson, they're all riding around on Frisians. I'm like, real? Is that, I don't know if that's accurate, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, do you I have, have a Frisian cross myself? But um, he, the only time I, I, I used him on Clips of Freedom, and then uh, he's worked in a lot of movies. But uh, you know, the poor guy has to work as a wagon horse. You have to get him really dirty and use him as a wagon horse. Oh. Just, <laughs> he doesn't, you know, fit in the normal sort of Western realm. Yeah. Uh, do you have a most difficult stunt that you've worked on or just like a favorite memory that stands out to you? Um, I'm sure you've done a lot of different things, but, you know, something really out of the ordinary. Um, I guess uh, we did a scene on uh, News of the World that actually did not make the movie where we had to do a river crossing and they built us this enormous tank. Um, they built us our own pond, essentially surrounded the whole thing with green screen and, uh, then, uh, had these machines that would make the water turbulate and we had to get the horses to where they would go across that. So it looked like they were going across like a raging river and it was a big, long, dramatic scene, uh, where the little girl falls off and Tom Hank goes in after and they, you know, come out with the horse and it's big dramatic scene in the rainstorm it was a massive scene and we prepped it for a long time and it was kind of cool to prep uh, it was i was so disappointed when it didn't come out in the movie oh but those things happen a lot you know you'll you'll do a stunt or <laughs> or some big thing you know liberty horse wise or something you're really proud of and then they do get left on the cutting room floor Oh, so, you still get paid though, tough. right? You still get paid for it, right? <laughs> we do. Oh yeah, yeah we do. Okay, good. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're paid for the hours we're there. It's just you know you're you're so um, you know wrapped up in what you do, and and you you can't wait to see it come out sometimes because you worked like so hard on on a scene, and you're really proud of the outcome, and then it's, it's just like there. where was it? You know, you watch the movie, you're like that's so sad. Oh, it's got to be sad. <laughs> is there? Is there? But, you yeah. have well-trained horses, obviously, to do this. Is there something though that on the sets kind of freaks them out, and you know that that one thing is going to be a thing, no matter how trained, that's going to freak them out? Um, you know, probably gunfire is our our biggest obstacle um, that you get directors that are really set on, and they have to. They can only use like eighth loads or quarter loads on on a movie set around animals. I mean, that's that's a NAHA requirement, but even those loads can be pretty noisy. And that's probably the one thing that, that creates the most difficulty for you. Some horses really don't like gunfire and you have to spend a lot of time getting them used to it. And some never do get very good about it. So they're not adding that sound in post-production or anything. I guess I never really thought about that being a live sound. Uh, Um, they, some, some shows do, 
which makes our life way easier. Uh, but some directors are absolutely set. They they really want it. They feel that their actors, you know, react better, act better, whatever, with the actual gunfire. So it's kind of a constant thing that we have to deal with. Um, oh, wow. We're happy. The last few shows we've been on, uh, they dubbed it in, which was awesome. Um, I guess uh, 1883, they did not. They were using, but the loads, the loads were fairly light on that. They weren't bad. There were, I think there were eight loads. that They were more like pan shots. They would just make a pop. So they weren't bad. So I'm guessing uh, if you get a new horse to work with, you're spending a lot of time, you know, start from scratch, desensitizing and the noises mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. How do you know if a horse is going to make it once they're on set or do you just not really know till you try? You know, you have a good feeling, you know, how a certain horse reacts to different stimuli. You know, you can see if he's a, a very reactive horse or not. And um, you, you, you're you usually right if one's going to, you know, really work well or not. I've had some surprise me that were way better than I thought they'd be, you know, that I was a little unsure about. And then they just strolled onto a movie set like they'd done it every day of their life. We had a couple of racehorses like that. <laughs> we're actually fresh off the track and uh we're like ah you know we're gonna be a little careful with these guys and then they just like they'd seen so much at the track or whatever that they were like it's no big deal yeah but, sometimes those yeah. off-track horses have seen the most of anyone they're just like eh, they yeah. have i i yeah we had a uh, we had a gray horse that we used on wildfire years ago that that uh came straight from the track and i mean i just rode him i don't know maybe a week or so at the farm and then we were going to use him in the deep background or whatever he walked through burning barn scene all kinds of stuff and it (laughs) never ruffled his feathers at all but he had set a track record he'd been on the track for a long long time and i guess he you know seen plenty but uh yeah, occasionally you do end up with one that that sets foot on a movie. There's something about a movie set. There's a completely different energy, and some it does make them quite nervous. That that seem pretty quiet at the farm, and then you know when you take them to set, get very anxious. And but normally you have a good idea. Larry, when you get when, when you get uh, contacted to do a movie or a TV show, do they tell you exactly? Okay, the horses are going to be doing these things. Do you know a rundown of what you're expected to do before you agree to take the job, or are you just going in cold? Um, we usually have an idea uh, because, like, say one of my bosses will have already been in contact with them and talking about the show or read the script. Um, often they have their hands on a script before we actually, um, seal the deal that we have the job. So you you have a pretty good idea of what you're getting into. And then things get narrowed down as you go, you know, you go to production meetings and they discuss, you know, what each scene is going to be like and you go from there, but you usually have a pretty good rough idea, you know, what to expect. And uh, you don't have to name names, but are there certain actors or actresses that you see and go, oh, I really don't want to do a movie with them again? And then there's others you go, yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Unequivocally. <laughs> now, do you get to meet them? I know uh, you worked on a movie with Tom Hanks, who is my all-time favorite actor, like everything he's ever been in. So would you get to yeah. you know, go up and say hi, or is it just you have to pretend like it's well, all cool, like, oh, here's your horse, go ride it? Like, like how does that work? Uh, no, I mean, you get a personal relationship with them, some more than others, but um, because generally we have like what we call a cowboy camp before we start a movie. And so they're taking riding lessons, you know, for between weeks and months before the show, depending on how big the budget is and how, you know, important it is to the director that the, the actors ride well. Um, so we'll have them nearly every day in riding lessons. And, and you can't help but, you know, end up with, a, you know, a bit of a rapport with them. And then you're on set with that actor every day. You're, whenever he's on a horse, you're right there with them. So. Um, yeah, generally you do uh, get, well, you know, that's cool. They're also putting their lives in your hands too. So. Yeah. <laughs> they, the, they are. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they, they, they have to know that they can trust that you're going to be there, um, you know, and to help them out if something goes wrong. I mean, we're always telling them, you know, you, you know, don't worry, we're going to be right here if something happens. So, you know, we're always very close, as close as possible. Yeah, so yeah I love more than one Wrangler is there with them. I like where they don't skimp on the riding lessons because uh, I think our listeners probably can all tell when uh, they just plop someone on a horse that has no clue and <laughs> don't spend much time yeah, teaching them how to ride. Yeah, and it's frustrating for us too, you know, because you know we we look good if they look good, and you know that's ultimately the goal. But if you know sometimes a show just doesn't have the budget and you might only end up with them for a few days before you start. And that's tough. But then it's tough on the actor too. Yeah. Sitting those trots, sitting those trots when you don't know what you're doing is tough. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Do they fall (laughs) off a lot? Like, how does that work? No, thank God. Uh, (laughs) We try to avoid that at all costs. I broke Tom Hanks Uh, today. uh, That's okay. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. Yeah. We had a few things happen, but, um, not many Thankfully. Um, but, you know, often if, if say we can only give an actor lessons for a few days, then we have to make a stipulation that they can't go any faster than the trot, you know, because it wouldn't be safe, you know, and only for like A to B, they can just go a short distance. And then, um, then they'll have a double that will jump in when it's a wider frame and, you know, they can ride away and do whatever. That leads to the next so question. Use- I always wondered, are the riding doubles, are they actually riders, like cowboys are actually riders, or are they stunt people who know how to ride? Um, they are most of the time stunt people that ride. Okay. But there are sort of a certain group of stunt people that we use a lot in in most of the shows, and they all ride pretty well. Gotcha. So, you know, they, they all rodeo and do whatever and so you know occasionally we end up with a stunt person for a specific actor that is not um a very accomplished rider and we have to help them out as well but that's pretty rare Hmm. so there's usually somebody out there that rides well enough 
Oh, that just sounds like fun to me. Like, oh, I could be a stunt rider. And then I remember like that I'm old and have a child. <laughs> it's probably not the direction my life is going in, but it's cool to think yeah. about. I think that sounds fun. Yeah, until they ask you to do a saddle fall or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, never mind. This wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing, though, that people uh, are willing to do that. That's. Do you have so, a favorite uh, movie or show you've done? I know it's like picking children and all of that, but I have to ask. It really is. Uh, hmm. uh, well, I, yeah, I think for different reasons, but I mean, I really like News of the World uh, because of Tom and Helena. And, you know, we had a really good relationship with them and, and felt quite involved in the making of the show, which I think is also another thing that... Uh, hostiles is the same way that you felt really involved as far as the whole production of the show and how things went. Um, so that means a lot. What a dramatic um, show that was too. Holy cow. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was a journey. It really was. It was an exhausting show to do, but it was, it, I was very proud of it when it came out. That's very um, cool. Other shows. I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know that I have one in particular really, um, you know, other shows now, you know, if you get to do some Liberty work or something like that, it's a lot of fun and it keeps your brain really engaged. So that's, you know, it's something different. So, you know, that's really enjoyable. Yeah. So we're going to put a link in the show notes to the article um, from Horse Illustrated April where you were featured. So everyone can see that. Thanks, Mary, thanks Mary. so much for joining us. That was really fun. Yeah. Well, th well thank you. It was very nice talking to you. Well, that was so much fun. We were geeking out. <laughs> <laughs> I just was so curious to talk to her and answering the question about Frisians. Uh, that was that was everything to me because I just finished Bridgerton season two. So now <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is true. And she's right. It's mostly the I, I swear Great Britain only has uh, 10 horses. And they're all black Frisians. That's what they right? use for I'm everything. Right. I'm like... <laughs> Was that accurate back then? I who knows, no, but I, I, I mean they're it. beautiful, so it, they look good. There's just not they're a amazing. lot of quarter horses over there hanging around to do shows. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And then they can put them on the carriage. They can ride them. They can do everything. I never thought about what she said though about being able to sub them out because they all look the yes. same, right? <laughs> well, and I forgot to ask her, but uh, in the article she was interviewed for she said one of the movies they worked on with a bunch of white horses and they were in the desert with the red clay and they could not get these horses clean so they just were bathing them nonstop every day just couldn't get it off and they had to sort of digitally <laughs> whiten them in post-production so i thought that was i bet you they could have used green spot remover from there you Cowboy go. Magic that would have fixed it. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, this episode is brought to you by title sponsor Straight Arrow Products. With Cowboy Magic's Green Spot Remover, you can do more of what you love and spend less time in the wash stall. Cut bath time in half with this waterless shampoo for a quick grooming solution while saving water at your barn. The easy-to-use sprayer bottle is the perfect tool when looking for a quick clean before the show or before a leisurely ride. Green Spot Remover is plant-based, a waterless formula that's safe for all coats, not just for grays. The natural enzymes will remove manure and urine spots without drying the skin and coat. The best part, it only takes a few steps to use. Learn more about how and where to purchase products at CowboyMagic.com.
Up next is Kaylin Caldwell. Kaylin is a lifelong equestrian who combines her passions for marketing and horses as the equine content manager at the ASPCA. Working specifically on the ASPCA's Right Horse program, Kaylin's work is focused on educating and promoting adoption to the equine industry and horse-loving public. Hi, Kaylin. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about today, but uh, just in case our listeners aren't familiar, um, can you tell us uh, how the ASPCA's Right Horse was started, what the goals are, a little bit about it? Absolutely. So, as you probably know, dog and cat adoption is a very common way of acquiring a pet. And that was because groups came together over the last few decades and figured out new ways to both promote dog and cat adoption and get dogs and cats into homes. And the right ASPCA's right horse was formed because we realized we need that same moment for horses. There are tons of groups and shelters around the country that have been doing amazing work to get horses rehomed um, and promote adoption, but there hadn't been a concentrated effort to bring these groups together and involve the equine industry in the work in a singular effort to massively increase horse adoption. So that's how the ASPCA's Right Horse came to be, um, and we partner with both industry organizations like Horse Illustrated, breed organizations, um, pharmaceutical companies, media companies, and all these groups that just want to see horses safely transition into new homes and then connect them to our community of shelters and rescues, our ASPCA Right Horse Adoption Partners. Um, And so that's how we're formed, and we are focused on shining a bright spotlight on equine adoption and figuring out how to get more horses into new homes. Well, we love that. Absolutely. Uh, Horse Illustrated, you know, we're we're all about it, you know, getting more horses adopted. Um, and I know you prefer the term horse in transition over rescue horse, which I think is sort of a new term for some people. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. You know, rescue horse is a very specific term and it focuses on the horse's circumstances. Horse in Transition focuses on the horse's future and the opportunities they have in a new home. And it's a broader term that can encompass horses that are maybe simply moving from one home to the next or from one career to the next. A natural example is uh, retiring racehorses who um, many move on to very successful careers after their time on the racetrack and certainly um, have plenty of opportunities to be loved and enjoyed in a variety of different capacities in new homes. Um, And those are really just horses that are transitioning in one phase or another their life. And truly, all these horses that are available for adoption are available for adoption due to no fault of their own. It's usually something that's happening in their owner's life. They're at a natural transition point between homes or careers. And that term horse in transition really just that umbrella term that, uh, more notes that they are just transitioning and uh, focuses more on the opportunities for them to be loved and enjoyed in their next home. Oh, that makes sense. I love that. Um, And then May, we're coming up on, uh, it's almost May already, uh, will be the second annual Adopt a Horse Month. And uh, what do you all have going on for that? And just tell us a little bit about how that uh, got started. We're so excited favorite month of the year. It's hard to believe that (laughs) we're very close to May. Um, But yes, May is Adopt-A-Horse Month. And that is a time where we get to shine a bright spotlight on adoption and talk about adoptable horses. 
We have more than 90 equine adoption and rescue organizations that have come together to join this campaign. And they're going to be talking to their communities and shining a light on their adoptable horses and trying to engage with new people and get them interested in equine adoption. And that's really what we're going to be doing too. We have a website called My Right Horse where all of these groups will be listing their adoptable horses in one place. So it's a one-stop source of adoptable horses. There's hundreds of horses looking for homes um, that come in every breed, discipline suitability, size, training level. Um, And our goal is to excite and inspire the horse-loving community and the equine industry to experience equine adoption through My Right Horse and our network of partners and those participating in the campaign. Well, that's fantastic. And we're excited to help promote it. So, um, and Horse Illustrated has been doing a My Right Horse Adoptable Horse of the Week for a while with you all. And uh, we're going to start doing on the podcast one Adoptable Horse of the Month with you, where we will talk about a special little guy or gal up for adoption. And this month we have a super cutie, <laughs> a little chestnut mare. Uh, I'm looking at her picture right now and we'll put it the link in the show notes. Uh, class is beautiful. So she'll be our first one to feature and she's at Second Stride in Prospect, Kentucky. So tell us a little bit about this one uh, so people can see if they're interested. Uh, class is beautiful. Is, um, as her name suggests, a beautiful off-the-track mare who's actually moving on to her third career. She's 10 years old and a Kentucky bred. She last raced in 2017 um, and is now looking for the next steps. Uh, Second Stride says she's full of potential. She loves being groomed. She's really thriving on a regular routine, and they're currently undergoing a riding evaluation with her. So it sounds like uh, she'll be a great fit for a variety of homes and certainly a one click on her profile and she stole my heart. So I have yeah. no doubt that her perfect that home is out there. <laughs> I that know. face is adorable. <laughs> yeah, she's a good just... size too. She's 16 hands. So that's perfect. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 She, she, she has is a really cute. sweet tour. And uh, so I'm guessing her second career was as a broodmare. Do you know if she had a couple foals? Yeah, I'm not quite sure um, how many foals she had, but yes. She was a brood mare, and uh, so this is her uh, third career, which is pretty exciting. Oh, and I've been to Second Stride a bunch of times. I've looked at horses up there when I lived in Lexington. Um, they just always have such a good lineup, and their website is nice, and you just see all these cute pictures, and <laughs> I don't know what it is about them, but they always have really good horses on there. Um, Where is so we're Prospect, excited to Kentucky, Holly? Where's Prospect, Kentucky? Uh, just outside Louisville. Okay. So between Lexington and Louisville, gotcha. mostly toward Louisville. I think I've been so. there, actually, come to think about it now. Oh, it's beautiful. Green fields, wooden fences, you know, you know the drill. And Kentucky. red mares with big white blazes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cute chestnut mares. Everyone needs one. I've got a soft spot for chestnut mares. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. Like Glenn said, he has to make sure his wife doesn't yeah, uh, go get this one. Yeah, we're not going to look at this one. <laughs> we are going to post a link to it in our show notes, though. So you're going to be able to go look at it and adopt. This one's 650 bucks. So the, the adoption fee at Second Stride, or Second Stride is always quite reasonable, too. So um, 
And I think they have an application like most most adoption places and things like that. So you're going to want to definitely check out their website. Uh, we'll put a link directly to it as secondstride.org. And uh, you'll be able to go see this cutie yourself. Just follow the show notes link. Yeah, and I know they do put some riding on them. So they can, uh, once she gets her evaluation, you can find out how she goes under saddle and if she's right for you. Um, and then also if somebody, you know, either they have, enough horses already or don't have, you know, the time for a horse right now. Is there anything they can do to um, bring awareness during horse adoption month and spread the word? Absolutely. That's one of the coolest things about um, this work is we really need everybody's involvement, whether you're ready to put a horse on a trailer and add a a new horse to your herd, or um, you simply want to help horses. The biggest thing anybody can do is share a horse. If a uh, class is beautiful, it's maybe not the right horse for you right now, you can still help her find a home. If you go to her profile and share on social media or with your barn buddies, you can help network her to the right person and get her adopted. And that's true for all of the horses on My Right Horse. That is such a valuable way of helping horses in transition find homes. And then the other thing you can do is simply talk to your community. Tell your farrier, your vet, your barn buddies. Talk to them about Adopt-A-Horse Month. Connect them to My Right Horse and tell them about adoption and simply raising awareness and making people aware that these incredible horses are looking for homes is really an invaluable way to help promote adoption and help horses. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, something anybody can do, which is, that's always a a super upside. Um and then, let's see, um, is there a social media that you guys prefer to use, or should they just go to myrighthorse.org to look over horses? Uh, what's the best way to find out more? Myrighthorse.org is kind of the starting point. We always suggest whether you're looking for horses or not, um, head right over that site. Do warn you, um, if you love horses, it can be a bit of a wonderful and dangerous place because you'll find yourself an hour later looking uh, horses from all over the country. Yes, but, I've, uh, done <laughs> I've done it. Same, same. We always say that's part of the, our job. It's the hazard of the job. But um, beyond that, if you want to follow the ASPCA's Right Horse on Instagram or Facebook or the ASPCA channels, we'll be talking a lot about Adopt-A-Horse Month and the different ways um, some people can get involved and take action and also continue to provide resources and education around what horse adoption looks like. And then the last component of that is also highlighting the incredible network of partners that we work with. So I'd like to learn more about them, their horses, and the ongoing work that we're doing. Um, the ASPCA's Right Horse is on social media. Well, we encourage everyone to check out the Right Horse um, everywhere that Kaylin just talked about. So thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. And thanks you so much for your ongoing support of horse adoption. Uh, we are incredibly grateful. We've had so many listeners request that we start doing adoptable horses once a month or once a week or whatever here on Horses in the Morning. So I'm glad we're doing it now. Yeah, I, I'm really excited because we've been featuring them weekly on our website, but the more publicity we can give to adoptable horses, the better. I think everyone just feels good about you know, helping share the word on who's up for adoption and finding new homes for horses. And now a special subscription offer from Horse Illustrated. So we have a special rate for our podcast listeners on our website, uh, horseillustrated.com, and you can subscribe in any format, print, digital, or a combination of both options. 
Plus, if you'd like to get our sister publication for a special kid in your life, we also offer special rates on Young Rider magazine, which is the horse magazine for tweens and teens ages 8 to 15. Check out our site at horseillustrated.com slash HRN for special rates designed just for our podcast listeners. So, Holly, are you heading off later this week in a couple of days for Kentucky? I am, and I'm so excited. My last time going was in 2019. Um, I was about eight or nine weeks pregnant, so I missed, uh, well, first we had the Land Rover that never happened in 2020, and then uh, I had a young child at home last year, so I missed that one. But basically, since the year 2000, I've gone, I was living in Kentucky, so I went every single year. Um, I think we've seen you in the the media room a few (laughs) times. (laughs) Yes, I pretty much live in that media room uh, since 2008. So it's been, uh, it was tough to miss one, but I'm super excited to come back. Um, So is there, yeah, I know you're covering it. So you're working, but uh, is there, do you have a favorite part? I mean, we just love cross country day, obviously, like everybody else. Oh, yeah. It has to be cross country day. I mean, I just. I like to kind of start, you know, at one section of the park and just watch one jump and then move to the next jump and watch one rider come through. Because some years there's just not as many riders. So you really have to just be moving through that course to see every single (laughs) jump get jumped. And it, it, oh man, I don't remember how many steps I had on my uh, Fitbit last time, but it was crazy. And there's always rain and rivers to forward with your waterproof yep. boots on and you know which i always waterproof get stuck at the uh, tailgating because i know people <laughs> over there and i always get i always get that far and i never get to the other end of the jumps because there's always food oh and drink. yeah <laughs> that's so. yeah that's a danger once you get to the uh tailgating people you're like oh i gotta, I gotta see this person and and i have person. walked up to people i don't know before and just said hi you know and just <laughs> uh, and, and ended up staying at, the, at their tailgate for a long time it's oh, just so that's much the difference between you and me I can never do oh, that. Oh, it's because that's people fun. are so, you know, they're ha- they're having fun. You're having fun. And I just say where I'm from and that just breaks the ice a little bit too. But and oh, I've ended God. ended up interviewing some of them. So, you know, it it just it's kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, we're not, Jennifer and I are going to be there. Jamie will be there. So we will have a show, by the way, tomorrow. So Jamie and I will have a sh- new show for you tomorrow. And then uh, Thursday is going to be a sales and breeding episode, a brand new one. And then Friday we'll have a best of because... Because uh, we're gonna, Jamie's gonna be over in Kentucky, and we're gonna be away camping and having a weekend away from horses. So uh, you can see her there. The right now she's looking at meeting listeners half an hour before the first jump at Cross Country Day. So whenever that is, it always time always changes, right? So. Um, oh, and you got to get there early. So, you know, park and the walking takes forever, but you got to be on course and set up and ready to go before the first horse. So that's perfect. To Have you you've been there for 20 years? Minutes. What's what's a memory that stands out to you? Oh, my gosh. 20 years? Oh, man. I mean, there's just so many. I remember in the very early days when it was still long format, which I love, by the way, I'm an inventor. So, you know, we have to kind of remember my the old too. glory days was of that, the long the format. Glory days. Yep. <laughs> There was this Pinto that was like half saddlebred. I can't remember. That's name, right. But um, I remember that. Yeah. I don't remember I anything about it. So interesting. <laughs> and now, that. you know, and everyone mostly had thoroughbreds and now they're all fancy worm bloods that, you know, look a lot better in the dressage ring, I will admit. But, uh, you know, they're not out there just uh, breezing between the jumps like a 
track horse the way they used to. But, you know, that's just the changing sport. And, you know, we don't have the steeplechase anymore, which makes me sad. But someday I'll get out there and do a novice or training <laughs> steeplechase just for fun. I just, as a horse husband, because I was a horse husband before I was Horse Radio Network when we'd go, I, I remember the rain. <laughs> the, oh, the rain. The, the, it just seemed like every year. And it was always cross-country day. Uh, yes, yes, they just, wait. And uh, I, I remember one cold. year ever that it was hot. One time in like 20 years it was, it was hot. hot. And, and then we've had <laughs> almost snow days or did snow the one time. And, uh, you know, we had flurries. It was so oh cold. We've had everything over the years for that. Yeah, I think... I think rain just seems to be the most constant, but we have had some beautiful, you know, 70 degree sunshine that are, yep. you know, just try to soak that in because, you know, it's not going to happen next year. And then uh, do you remember the year we were all kicked out in the afternoon? It was cross country day. It had just finished and they brought all the horses to the new stadium because of tornado warnings. There were tornadoes in the area and they kicked us all out. Was that 2002? Because that year I when. missed, I was a, eventing groom and my uh boss was going to land rover so or rolex at the time and i had to stay home and watch all the horses so that's uh -oh. like the only one i missed but she was like oh yeah basically halfway through they just shut down the event yep. and it was the weather was a complete no-go in the afternoon so yeah they they actually brought all the horses to the indoor uh, and had them hang out there with the riders, and they kicked everybody else out. And I'm thinking, there's this mass of humanity heading toward the parking lot with these storms coming in. If a tornado oh, hits now, we're all just airborne. I mean, we're just <laughs> we're going to be in West Virginia. <laughs> oh, just Dewberry boots flying through the air. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's not uh, Dewberry boots. The, yep, that guy's still standing there in the bucket <laughs> with the champagne. <laughs> with the champagne. <laughs> See, and everybody yep, that goes to Rolex or Land Rover knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, don't miss the shopping. I don't care how short of a time, if you're there for now, one day, two days, you've got to check out the entire trade fair. for Bit of Britain for a number of years. Uh, oh, I love that tent. And I worked in the tent for a number of years. Uh, and I can, I can tell you that it was just nuts. I mean, it was just nuts. Oh, that was always my first stop because they have all the special eventing stuff mm -hmm. like stud screws and cleaner, like the weird things that you can't get other places. So I mean, oh, yeah. se I setting that. up for that was a nightmare. And I remember a few years when we'd set up a bit of Britain always had a huge tent for those that don't know what we're talking about. They had the biggest booth there, basically. And we always brought a couple hundred thousand dollars for the stuff. And we'd have to set up that whole tent, unpack the trucks. We drove three trailers <laughs> down from Pennsylvania. <laughs> I remember. I never driving. thought about putting all that stuff out for <laughs> oh us to God. look at. Oh my God! The one you. time we drove three trailers, so it was three forty-foot goosenecks. Oh man! And then usually there was one box truck, uh, but I was driving the forty-foot gooseneck through West Virginia, the mountains of West Virginia. That was fun. Um, and then you get to there, and the day we set up, it was pouring rain, mud oh, everywhere. Uh, you were trying no. to set up, keep the merchandise clean <laughs> under this tent with no floor. It was just a <laughs> and then that was just a start. You had two, you know a couple days of setting all that up, and then then you got busy because the people showed up. Uh, oh yeah, the line always wrapped through the <laughs> yes. whole store pretty yes. much all the time. And I was always the, Glenn the Geek, I was always the IT guy. So when the computers would go down and nobody could check out, it was my fault. So I don't have oh, to figure no. that out. Yeah, that <laughs> Hurry up or we can't make any money. <laughs> and that was in the early days of when checkout, you know, checkout systems were really starting to work on computers. Uh, oh, so yeah. So that was always yeah. fun because everything was always breaking down. <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, yeah, the they probably would have done better with the little <laughs> credit card machine that went ka-chunk. And, and I'm going to throw him under the bus. And then John Nunn would disappear for hours on end saying he had to go oh, no. schmooze in the tent, which meant he was overeating <laughs> good food in the VIP tent. And we were there doing the checkout for endless lines of people. Yeah. Oh, throwing no. you under the bus there, John. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, we're going to have to get to this another time. I think we're running out of time, but I want to talk to you about it next time. Uh, you did an article about camping in your non-living quarters horse trailer. Um, yes. I want to talk to you about that next time because Jennifer does that when she goes to Endurance Rides, only it's really a non-living quarters horse trailer because she sleeps in the back. Um, yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've got no tack room, so yeah, let's let's discuss. All right, that's something that uh, I can tell you right now, not volunteering for that. I have never volunteered for that. <laughs> Hotels are wonderful for a reason. <laughs> but expensive they're expensive exactly <laughs> all right thank you for putting this together holly sure this has been a great one i can't wait till uh our listeners get to hear it well we want to thank our title sponsor straight arrow family of brands makers of main and tail cowboy magic and exhibitors with over 100 years of grooming excellence for more information about your favorite products visit straightarrowinc.com and follow their products at or find their products at a tax shop near you they're at every tax shop in the country you're going to find them <laughs> and horse illustrated can be found at horseillustrated.com happy reading and riding <laughs>